The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. Welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Holworth, and this time we are doing a very special, very, very special bonus episode, uh, TV episode. Occasionally we like to talk about interesting TV shows, most of the time not on Netflix, because they're easy for us to all watch all at once. And the latest big one is the season three of Black Mirror, the show from Charlie Brooker from used to be on BBC, if I'm correct. Um, no. I'm not correct. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the person who would Channel help us four. with that, I will get into that. Because I am joined, as often uh, we are joined, by the lovely mm-hmm. Sarah Becker. How are you, Sarah? I'm very well. Thank you, Ben. And that British voice you heard, disembodied, <laughs> is our very, very special <laughs> guest. Because if you're talking about a British show, you need a British person. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> they know best. I am joined by Georgina Carr. How are you, Georgina? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. So, as mentioned before, this is the latest series in Black Mirror. So, Georgina, as a British person, and I know you are a fan of Charlie Brooker, could you (laughs) explain to us who Charlie Brooker is and what the basic premise of Black Mirror is? Uh, Yeah, well, he's done... He's very well known over here, or I like to think that he's well known. He's done so many different things throughout the year. Um, I think probably the best thing that he's known for pre-Black Mirror is he used to do a show on uh, BBC4 called Screen Wipe, um, and that was every week he'd discuss different TV shows, um, kind of cut between watching them and you seeing him sitting in his uh, living room watching them, and then he'd talk about how they're actually made and kind of critique them pretty harshly sometimes um there's lots of clips on youtube about that um and then that kind of went into i mean it got really big and it went from being on a small bbc4 to terrestrial tv a few years later kind of blew up and then he started to do news wipe which included news shows um that was that was really good and he actually did um have you heard of dog stan hope he's an american stand-up comedian yes i'm aware of him Americans, yeah, he was even featured on a couple of series of the Newswipe, talking about from the American point of view. On <laughs> Angry things. American, I remember. Um, <laughs> even had his own little theme song and everything. Very, uh, very deadpan. Yeah, because I don't think we have um, a, an American-centered version of Charlie Brooker who like. Because we definitely have people like John Stewart who do like comedic shows but he's also a bit of a presenter but a bit of a writer but a bit of a personality seems like he does a lot of different things yeah yeah and he he writes a lot of it i love what i like about him is he writes a lot of his own stuff he's very hands-on um a few years ago he did a show called dead set which was um basically big brother i know big brother is different in the states i think to how it's done in the uk but it's basically big brother crossed with zombies you know, wanted there's a zombie apocalypse whilst Big Brother was happening. Um, 
that was that was good and what i liked it had um uh people who were actually in the big brother house were on the show the presenter was on the show and you could actually it made it feel more realistic Hmm. and because of that and i think it even got nominated for a a bafta a best drama serial i don't know if it won it should have won if it didn't (laughs) (laughs) and then of course um most people will know him from black mirror which i will admit is one of my favorite shows it's Amazing, but also terrifying <laughs> at the same time. Indeed. <laughs> yes, for those who aren't familiar, I would say just go watch the show, because we're going to spoil the entire season and possibly older episodes as well. Uh, it is an anthology show, very much in the style of Twilight Zone, but with technology. Each one sort of takes a possible future technology, sometimes even current technologies. Uh, I'd say Shut Up and Dance is quite possible even today, um, and sort of takes it to its most logical and often disturbing <laughs> though in this season we saw yeah. occasionally sweet uh forms uh, <laughs> so you have things like uh, the idea if you could record memories or what if uh, you can construct someone who died based on their old texts and create sort of an ai that resembles the person after they're dead and creepy sort of images like that uh and of course the and i th- go on and i think the uh uh, there's actually a quote from Charlie Brick himself and he actually explains why he called the show Black Mirror because at first you might think Black Mirror is a bit of a, a weird title but he did an interview with The Guardian a couple of years ago when the show first came out um, and he actually explained what that all meant if you want me to read the quote to you Go for it. I have that prepared Please do. <laughs> um, he said if technology is a drug and it does feel like a drug then what precisely are the side effects this area between delight and discomfort is where Black Mirror, my new drama series, is set. The Black Mirror is the title, uh, is the title of the one you'll find on every wall, on every desk, and in the palm of every hand. The cold, shiny screen of a TV, a monitor, a smartphone. Well, now I'm sitting here looking at my smartphone, and it's you know indeed black and shiny and i'm just terrified of it. <laughs> damn it i uh I, I didn't really think about that but that is that is a perfect title for what it this makes a lot about. of sense when you uh when you think about it <laughs> yeah definitely definitely and again oh, that man. sort of twilight zone thing where it's like oh each of these is in quote unquote the twilight zone and each of these is the reflection of the screen the device back at you and making you question what you've done with technology as a society. Uh, so it's very heavy, but it can also be very fun and very exciting. Mm. Now, I'm curious, we've all seen Black Mirror before, correct, Sarah? You've also seen the show yes. before the third season aired. Mm-hmm. Um, this season has been somewhat criticized for some for being maybe a bit more Americanized, maybe a bit more rushed, maybe a bit too high budget. Did you feel this at all for the season, you guys, or did you feel like this was on par with earlier seasons i mean i i don't disagree that it was more americanized than it has been you know taking into account that the protagonists of at least half of the episodes are americans and that is very unusual i believe all of the previous episodes had a british protagonist except for um, um white christmas had john ham but he was the only yeah. american oh yes episode. yes but still, that's one out of seven. Uh, so the fact that we had three out of six, and this was quite different. Um, 
That being said, I didn't mind it too much because the storytelling was still so good and I was very impressed with all of the actors. So I didn't feel that it detracted from the series in any way. But then again, I'm American. So (laughs) Georgina, I would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, well, I mean, I was one of those people who I was... No, I wouldn't say extremely worried, but I was a bit worried on Netflix taking it over and it being just this whole different show totally Americanized but I mean at the same time Charlie he wrote what four of the six and then co-wrote the other two he wrote so he mm-hmm. still had his you know yeah he, he wrote finger four, in every pie he co-wrote one and he made the story for one which I'll mention and that was written by two other people so he had his hand in all six and at least wrote heavily for five and yeah. I'd, I'd say actually what well, I didn't mind it I mean the first episode nosedive is straight up American. <laughs> yes. Um, but the rest of them really worked, really worked well. So, you know, pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Charlie Brooker's amazing, so I wouldn't expect anything less from him, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I disagree with a lot of people that this is a weaker season. I thought it was just as good, if not, well, I mean, not better, but at least as good as season one for me. Um, season two is the one that I actually have problems with two of the main episodes in that one. Uh, I didn't really had a major problem with any of these episodes. Maybe I liked certainly some of them less, some of them more. But uh, I thought all six were really strong, really interesting in their own rights, and very memorable. None of them felt like sort of filler or or slapped together. And I just feel like more than likely Charlie Brooker just had a lot of money. <laughs> I feel like he had a lot yeah. of yeah. Netflix money, and you can see something like. Uh, Men Against Fire had a lot of special effects, and then you had, especially Playtest had a lot of special effects. And it feels like maybe there's mm-hmm. always these ideas he wanted to do, but the ones he picked earlier are easier to do in a sense. Uh, I feel like with White Christmas, and right. now it's like, oh, now he's getting the kind of budget he got for White Christmas, because he probably just was like, well, I can only make one episode instead of three with this budget, so I'm just going to make one really high budget one, and now it's like, oh, I can make six with all this budget I have. And so I don't feel like he's sort of trying to come up with old ideas i feel like these are ideas he probably always had for my guess and he's finally now like hey i got the money to finally do it the way i wanted to yeah i'm glad i'm glad i was worried that all the britishness would be taken away from it but i think netflix only enhanced it by giving him more money to kind of make things even better than they already are mm-hmm. well we all we're just going to talk about each of the six episodes uh, because since they are their own standalone thing, it's just easier to do it that way. So there is one episode that all three of us loved that he had number one. And that would be San Junipero. So we're just going to start with that Yay! one. <laughs> First, uh, Sarah loves this one for many reasons, and, and we'll get to that. So briefly, I'll just say the premise of this episode. We start out in the most 1980s of 1980s uh layout we see this uh young woman named kelly she starts dancing with another young woman named yorkie they basically start to have a sort of friendship slash romance uh eventually they uh, have sex and get together but uh yorkie seems to not want this we get this very weird moment where kelly appears to be traveling through time trying to find yorkie uh it's the same like sort of san junipero era Mm -hmm. but there's different sort of cultural markers eventually we learn that this is a computer program that is sort of half mostly for people who have died as a digital afterlife that people who are currently alive can spend just five hours a week in 
mainly people who were elderly and uh, disabled. And we discerned that Kelly uh, was a woman who came up to her parents as gay and then got into a car accident and was paralyzed the rest of her life. And It was Yorkie, actually. Yorkie was... I think you have the names. You're right. Up. Kelly is goo goo. You're right. I'm mixing up. So yes. Yorkie uh, was, came up to Paris is gay, came to a car accident, was paralyzed for the rest of her life, and now is sent you to Paris. Basically, you can live the life she always wanted to live, but was taken from her. Um, and Kelly was married to a man most of her life, but uh, he died. He wasn't able to go into... He decided to not go into San Junipero because their kid died before San Junipero was the thing. And so he wanted the possible opportunity to see his kid in uh, the afterlife because he was Christian. So we get all these sort of like issues where Kelly is going to... Uh, sorry, Yorkie is going to um, transfer over to San Junipero uh, for the rest of eternity. Um, and uh, Kelly is dying of cancer but doesn't want to because she possibly might see her husband but we under learned that she's atheist anyways long story short very beautifully and with a lot of crying <laughs> on my end uh, <laughs> All the a lot crying. of crying uh kelly finally decides to join yorkie in san junipero and live out the rest of eternity at least as long as the servers stay up uh very beautifully romance so sarah why is this episode so amazing this episode is so amazing because, for, well, it's amazing for several reasons. Um, I would say that, well, ah, I can't even talk about it. I'm so excited. Um, but it's it would be untrue to say it's amazing because the lesbians don't die in the end. Because they do, in fact, die when they are very old and have, you know, lived and so forth. But they end up together in the end. They choose to spend eternity together and they drive off into the sunset <laughs> and it's just great and cheesy and romantic and wonderful. But something else that's really amazing about this episode is that with the exception of a few particular lines of di dialogue that specifically state, you know, Kelly... Uh, mentions that she identifies as bisexual and there is the you know the bit of the story of Yorkie coming out to her parents and so forth but really the same story could have been told with a couple of any orientation and I feel that it would have worked just as well it's not exclusively a lesbian story or an LGBT story but I, I that's I that's just what made it work so well and it's nice to see that story being used with a lesbian couple because often we get stories that are too lesbianized because Hollywood doesn't know how to write for lesbian couples and so forth. I'm rambling, but St. Junipero is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree. It's Charlie Brooker mentioned uh, in his AMA that uh, he particularly sort of loved the idea of lesbians getting married in the 80s because obviously that was illegal back yes. then. Yes. And so he sort of loved this idea of, of sort of a, a romantic era in sort of fiction, this 80s John Hughes-ish, you know, style, fictionalized version of the 80s, uh, but with sort of a married lesbian couple that you could never have in the actual 1980s, which I thought was very interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, Georgina, did you enjoy this episode? As, yeah, no, you enjoyed this episode as well. What worked for you I did. <laughs> I'll say the only thing I disliked about the episode is the name because I find it quite hard to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> San Jun Junipero. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I what I liked about it is it, Black Mirror. It's 
an episode where the happy ending is the main character's dying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's as happy yeah. as Black Mirror gets. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I mean, I watched Black Mirror to kind of depress the hell out myself. And for once, I watched it and in a weird way, it's it's different to all the episodes, but it fits so well. And it's nice for once in a Black Mirror episode to see technology actually being used in a positive way. Um, rather than always being, not a negative way, but always in a more scary way. <laughs> yeah, much darker, usually. Yes. So it's nice for it to have a happy ending. I mean, all the way through, I kept thinking something's going to go wrong, something's going to go wrong. Right at the end, when our little chips get put into the uh, machine, I was like, that arm, that mechanical arm's going to drop one of the chips and they're going to be dead forever <laughs> in black nothingness right. but no it kept going mm-hmm. happy 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 <laughs> i know I, I had to keep watching through the credits i was like please let them be happy please let them be happy and then they <laughs> yeah. were and it just i could not believe so yes yeah, sarah you actually watched this episode first because uh you're often on tumblr and, and i did because the the tumblr lesbians were all <laughs> singing its praises and i was like right i have to see what this is about and i was not disappointed at all <laughs> And I, and I think it is still a very good episode because it isn't just like this technology so perfect as they show. There are some interesting dark sides. There's this uh, very intense sort of club where people like punch each other and do crazy kinky shit and just to basically feel stuff, like they said. So there could be an idea that like people get lost in there. And it's also sort of a interesting idea that most of the people there are dead. And, and then you have a really, really, really good scene with... Um, I can't pronounce her name, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but the actress, I'll just say Gugu. That's her first name. I believe it's Gugu Mbatha Ra. My apologies for any breaking. I assume that is correct. I've, I don't think I've ever heard it said before. I've just I've, seen it I've written. I've heard her in name text. mentioned because she's in a uh, fantastic movie called Beyond the Lights that she's amazing in. And she's just such a good actress. And she has a really beautiful scene where she basically says, like, and again, to go with like why this episode means a lot to me, it's that uh, as a oh. pansexual person having a really good bisexual character was really nice because she says that she truly loved her husband. She wasn't in the closet at all. She really did feel that love for him and that she does definitely feel things for uh, Yorkie, but just isn't sure what that means. And I like that that's where it comes from. It doesn't come from sort of homophobia or weirdness. It comes from sort of a really deeply interesting personal place where you can see like yeah of course Yorkie wants to live her life because she never got the chance to versus Kelly's lived a life and now she doesn't know she's ready for a second one in a sense and I think that makes for a really great dramatic stakes Mm -hmm. absolutely was there anything else do you want to mention about uh, San Junipero before we move on I'm just going to say my thing just cut out for the last three or four minutes so I, I do apologize i didn't hear anything after you trying to pronounce um <laughs> her name <laughs> i said very I smart you'd things just given up. <laughs> like that's it that's in the podcast can't pronounce her name that's that <laughs> um <laughs> um i'd just like to say i like the um they put this whole concept about you know life after death and technology and uh, when Kelly and Yorkie are having that argument about when Yorkie's like, why won't you come and stay with me? Like, we can die together, live forever. And I like the whole of um, Kelly's argument for why she didn't want to carry on uh, because of her husband and her daughter. And they're kind of 
in a different world and who's not to say that you know when you do just die you go and see your loved ones in a different realm and so I kind of like that argument and you know it poses the question what would you do would would you do it if this was real would you want to live forever party in the 80s I I probably would (laughs) I probably I've always been fascinated give it a shot at least for a while yeah I've been fascinated by digital afterlife for a long time and so it's definitely something I've thought of like I'd probably do it. I'd probably at least try mm-hmm. it. I'd I'd want for an uh, out button. That's for sure, though. Yeah, and that that was another you know interesting thing they added to the episode is you can check out when you're like I don't know bored or just you know ready to actually end your existence. Like you can leave. It's not like oh well you get to you know party in the eighties for eternity and like you're stuck there. You know. And I, th- and I think what's nice about it is if you get, if you go there, you're not you, you're not there forever. If you decide, you know, one day you don't like it, you can kind of pull the plug on that life as well. Yeah. So you're never ever kind of stuck if it turns bad or you get bored. Exactly. So, yeah, it's just sometimes it's difficult to wrap my head around a happy <laughs> Black Mirror episode. <laughs> but I'm glad there was one. I'm glad there was Me one. Too. Nice change of pace, especially after the previous episode. Well, that's why I did enjoy the season, is that it felt, in a way, more like Twilight Zone, where Twilight Zone did have very interesting, sometimes happy episodes, sometimes comedic episodes, sometimes truly terrifying ones, sometimes moralizing ones. It feels like he's going more for that, where, like, Playtest feels like just a straight-up horror episode, and and San Junipero is much more sort of uh, a beat, and... Men Against Fire, super moralizing. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's a lot of those kinds of episodes. Hated in the Nation is like a political drama. Kind of exactly, he's going for different genres, like like Twilight Zone did, and which is what I loved about it. Versus just saying like, here's the latest horror one, or here's the latest moralizing one. You know, and I feel like this season right. it was him exploring a lot more genres and styles, and I really appreciated that a lot about this season. All right, well, next uh, I wanted to talk about Nosedive, which is definitely the biggest episode of the season it's the one that starts it off and for a lot of people will probably be their first i imagine black mirror episode because the advertisements are all over netflix i've heard a lot of friends you know it's been on netflix for two years now or something like that but i'm just now hearing a mm-hmm. lot of people starting to watch the show for the first time and i wouldn't be surprised because the way netflix sets it up when you press play it goes right to nosedive instead of um the first episode with the Not prime sure minister really. and the pig yeah so, Nosedive is probably going to be the one to make. And it makes sense, because it's directed by Joe Wright, who uh, directed Atonement. So, it's their biggest director. Um, it has Bryce Dallas Howard, who, of course, was in Jurassic World last year. Ooh. It has Alice Eve, who's in Star Trek. You know, it's got these big, big actors. Um, and it's sort of the biggest... Teleplay by Mike Schur and Rashida Jones, yes. which I just noticed. Yes, who are uh, Mike Schur, cool. who created The American Office, Parks and Rec, uh, and Rashida Jones, who's from Parks and Rec. So... It's very American, very big, very splashy. <laughs> uh, this particular episode deals with the future where there is... Do they need to say what the device is called? What the app is called? Well, I mean, it's like on a... or uh, It's on a smartphone, but no, I don't remember no, that I they said, they you know, this yeah. is, you know, rate your neighbor plus or something. It basically, there was an app <laughs> called uh, People that was coming out the year before, which was going to rate people, like and Yelp for people. But everyone thought it was so disgusting, they got... That never got made and of course there's a community oh, episode yes. <laughs> where the app is called meow meow beans and you give people one to five <laughs> meow meow beans and it's a very similar episode 
uh, more of a comedic version of this. But in this one, a unnamed uh, app basically rules the world. Uh, you rate people based on likability, and you can get a rating between uh, five and one. Most people are around a four point something, like every Amazon rating, which I kind of loved. And the world is sort of divided, like 4.2s can get things that 4.5s can't get, that 4.8s can't get. So like, there's this new kind of social strata based on fakery, and everyone sort of doesn't want to piss anybody off in fear of getting shunned on the app. And we follow this woman named Lacey, who's a sort of very trying to get with people, but doesn't isn't able to get that 4.8 status like she wants. And if she gets up in that level, she would get a better deal on a fancy house. Uh, she finds out she's going to be the best maid uh, for her friend Naomi, played by Alice Eve, who is a 4.8 and has lots of fancy 4.8 friends. So she's going to go and give a bridesmaid speech that's going to be so amazing. She's going to get all the ratings in the world and be up in the social class she's always wanted to be in. Unfortunately, as she travels to her wedding, lots of terrible things happen, like flights and yelling at people and getting in trouble, and she nosedives from 4.8 to down to a 1.4 when she shows up muddied <laughs> beaten and reveals her soul in front of everybody at the end she ends up in a prison where she starts uh yelling at a fellow prisoner where they could finally be honest with each other because who cares about ratings when you're in prison and nobody likes you anymore <laughs> so what do you think of yeah. the very big and flashy nosedive well, as I think is probably the purpose with most episodes in Black Mirror, I really enjoyed it. And it also terrified me because I was, you know, doing things on my smartphone for a lot of it. I mean, I was still paying attention, but I think I was messaging you, Ben, because I had just finished San Junipero and was raving about it as I was watching this episode. Um, and like checking Facebook and like somebody sent me a Snapchat. And then I was like, this, this is too real. Like this, you know, we might be here in 30 years or sooner. Right. We were... 30, more like probably five. <laughs> well, I know, but I, I like to have some hope for the human race. <laughs> yeah, as I was telling Sarah, the thing, the creepy thing about this is like, yes, people came out last year and we're all like, we're very proud that we said no. But the question is how many long, because we rate, you know, kind of rate people in terms of Ubers and Lyfts, you know? You rate the cab in a sense, but you rate that person as well. Mm. You rate uh, food restaurants, you rate movies, you rate everything. So people are really the last thing left. Uh, Airbnb is sort of similar, where you can like rate someone's house <laughs> and rate their person who runs it, you know. And, and when you have generations who've grown up being that normal, it's like how long before we just like, yeah, let's just rate people. Like that's fine. That's exactly. Yeah, do. I mean. I think we're, we're literally one small step away from that being mainstream in at least the Western world. I think I read, I don't know the ins and outs, but I think I read somewhere that an, an app like this is actually live in China. Oh, wow. China have already got this, you know, app down. But like you said, Uber, I don't use it. I'm a country girl. I've never used Uber, but I know that you do rate people um, or the cab drivers on that. And I think... You know, cab drivers are actually starting to put in fresh bottled water and snacks just to get a higher rating. Um, and much like but... in the episode, their jobs require the rating too. Like we see in one point, a guy gets mm -hmm. kicked out of his job, he gets below a 2.5. And Uber drivers, they go below to four stars, they're fired. So 
it is exactly very much so, like you have to please everybody or you have real world consequences exactly and i think at the same time we're basically already there because you know i don't know about you but when someone you know likes my status on facebook or you know likes my photo on instagram or retweet something i do you kind of do get a sense of go me <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i know yeah. i have and oh i sound horrible for saying this i hate myself but you know i have sometimes staged photos you know if i go out for um like dinner with my friends i will take i will you know arrange my fish and chips in such a way that they the light shines on them lovely and i'll take a snapchat and you know i'll send it all to all my friends just for, to make them feel jealous and i want those likes <laughs> yes I did the very same thing uh, last night. It was Halloween, and so I set up, you know, my cocktail with this, like, plastic skull that was on the table, and I, you know, arranged it and made sure that the garnish in the glass looked good. Yeah. <laughs> set it out. Yeah, yeah. And I think the thing is, you, you actually see Lacey when she gets her coffee that I don't even think she drinks, yes. and she gets her biscuit, mm-hmm. and she takes a bite, and I think because of her, maybe because of her eating disorder, she doesn't even eat the bite of the biscuit, or scone whatever you guys call them over there (laughs) and places it so delicately just for that photo just to get some ratings from it um i guarantee there's probably a million 13 14 year old teenage girls who do that every day on facebook that's what i love so in a way kind of really touches on now what what technology what social media is like in today in 2016 so that's what I loved about this episode yep. is I love the details of it. I love that she kept making food that either, like I said, it could be that the eating disorder or it could be, I sort of read it, that she just hated the food that was socially popular. Like she makes this very weird sort of spread dish and she takes like one bite like, oh, yeah. but like it has like a five star <laughs> rating online. So it like must be the one that'll get like lots of likes. And uh, she thinks the coffee tastes disgusting. Like you tell she probably likes things that aren't as socially acceptable because she's like eating like pad thai earlier it's like who photographs pad thai for like uh likes on facebook or instagram but uh it's those little details i loved i especially loved everything involving the electric car was brilliant because i just love that a it was that in the future clearly this is like an apple where there's just one brand of car and they call (laughs) it a two a three a four or five like people call iphones five six sevens or you know and of mm-hmm. course, like an iPhone, it has the change the charger every time. That's so true. <laughs> that, that has literally happened to me in the last yeah. six months. I got an iPhone SE when I had an iPhone four previously, and I had to go out and buy all new chargers yep. for my car, my See? house. I was so mad. Stick to Samsung. Can't go wrong with Samsung. Always the USBs, but I, I love know. that because you, like, you can't even move your Galaxy car. Unless it's a Galaxy Seven, then it will explode. <laughs> And I love that she had, like, it was set in Russian and it just started playing uh, <laughs> Home Improvement, of all things. Like, I just loved all that, like, ah, oh, this is the problem with future cars, is that they're going to be so much harder to deal with, like, mm-hmm. in, in the rental future. I just loved, that's what I liked about this episode. This episode didn't work for me in terms of, like, I liked the basic premise, I think it was just a little bit overdone, like, it just, like, sort of, like, kept going. But I did, like, all the details, and that's what sort of made the episode really shine for me this was like the Mm. one that felt the most like a full world versus the other ones was like okay here's that one technology we're going to focus on this is sort of like jumping ahead in like 20 years and having a few minor things here or there be different which i really appreciated yeah i'm very i'm very on the fence about this episode in some ways i like it because it's it's kind of on the nose with how we are 
and with social media but then on the other hand I think um Lacey's brother like he kind of was too overpowering like this is what the message of this episode is trying to say you know don't care so much about people live your life who cares and it felt sometimes a bit preachy so I'm kind of mm, I like it but I don't like it (laughs) (laughs) Sarah do you you, this is your second favorite am I correct uh yeah i think so and i'm gonna look at the list again before i lock in that (laughs) statement um but what 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 works for you yeah yeah but doesn't sort of work for us um i don't know i mean uh if uh we'll, we'll take the character of the preachy brother for a second i guess the reason that didn't bother me so much is that i know several people who are like that so it didn't seem out of place for me it was just like, oh, well, yeah, he's that person. I can name three people off the top of my head who do that exact thing. <laughs> so that that wasn't weird for me. Um, and it, it in some ways it was a little bit over the top and kooky, but at the same I don't know. I, I think if, if it had been more just, like, serious and played straight, it would have been even scarier but i needed the comic relief (laughs) moments of like bryce dallas howard covered in mud shouting about her cell phone at a wedding she keeps getting covered in mud she she goes bless her why does she keep wearing white dresses that get ruined like people just love bryce and white and then covered in mud like it's their favorite thing (laughs) and I, i i will say i i don't really understand the point of the uh tour bus to the comic that was con. weird or whatever oh, yeah, was happening. That. that was a little bit weird. The only thing I did like is that it it's, it does read to another thing we do a lot, which is pretending like we're part of something sometimes where you're just like, the people are talking, yeah. she quickly goes on Wikipedia and it's like, uh, what the fuck is this show? <laughs> like, and just to, to basically like get in with the crowd. But I agree, it was just a little bit overdone. It was just sort of like, yeah. Right. And I, I also, I really like the, um, uh, the aesthetics the, the, the pastel colours throughout it all and yeah. the outfits, it kind of reminded me a bit of Stepford Wives and strangely, exactly. Edward Scissorhands oh, yeah. No, that's yeah. exactly what I was going to say Ed- though, I mean that's what makes Edward Scissorhands so creepy, it's not the dude with like the goth clothes yeah. and the scissors for hands, it's the suburbia <laughs> and the sameness of everything and like that's, that's literally like my nightmare nothing. is living in one of those yeah. cookie cutter neighborhoods <laughs> where everything is a different shade of pink <laughs> yeah. and just uh, all the, the the shrubbery is you know trimmed to perfection and it just, I can't and that's exactly what this episode was I think it's just the whole where everything's light and fluffy and you know on the surface everything is absolutely perfect but as soon as you get away from the people you know your life's a mess and it's fine mm-hmm. it's fine if your life's a mess by the end of the episode you're like it's great to you know swear and shout and just be yourself like the old woman in the truck I mean I think I'd be like the old woman in the truck just Oh yeah, effort. Let's just do it. Let's just do life. Yeah, <laughs> I'm too grumpy to be happy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but you could also, I, I was again. That's a good detail that she's a truck driver, and one wonders is like, is she a truck driver because it's the only job you could get as a 1.4? You know what I mean? Like, I wonder if like oh. there's mm-hmm. a, a quieter thing like Gattaca did where it's like, oh, these people have to do all the menial jobs that like fancy people who have like better. And Gattaca's genetic breeding, but here it's like who have the best star ratings? Because as we saw, the one guy. And got I guess there's not of... much social interaction either. So right, right, exactly. So it's like you don't have to appeal to anybody or be who you want to be. But I love that. That's what makes the episode really good. It's the moments where she's like 
in the elevator, like trying to appease somebody or someone gives her two stars and mm. she's like, what? <laughs> I love the guy at the gas <laughs> so station cringy. who's like, two stars. And he's like, it wasn't a meaningful conversation. <laughs> I, just, like, <laughs> I think I'd be that guy. I'd be a good 3.5, like just kind of a dick, you know? Was the woman in the elevator uh, the woman from Doctor Who who was Craig's girlfriend and then wife? Interesting question. I well, I know her from a show called Episodes with Matt LeBlanc, which is okay. Got um, two UK actors in, um, but set in LA, and it's kind of a realish. I mean, Matt LeBlanc plays a version of himself, and right. she. Plays I think I've seen a, uh, some of that actually. It's a good show. To go off on a tangent, mm. it's a good show. I'll give it a watch. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else to say about uh, Nosedive? I'm good. I think I'm okay. Well, let's talk about uh, probably the one that we disagree on the least, which would be men, or the most, uh, be Men Against Fire. Because this is my second favorite episode, and I believe it is both of y'all's least favorite of the season. Yes. (laughs) So, in this episode, we follow a sort of military organization, what seems to be sort of a bombed-out, unnamed country. Uh, In it, we follow a man named Stripe. Yes, uh, a fellow named Stripe, who is a soldier. Uh, in the future, they use this implement called Mass, which is a uh, sort of cerebral implant that allows them to have better vision. It's sort of very video game in the real world systems where they can see maps of places, they can see accuracy ratings, it helps them do all the stuff, and they are hunting what is called roaches, which appear to be uh, very scary monster Nosferatu looking people uh, Stripe kills two of them but right when he kills one of them he gets flashed in the eye with this pen that one of them is holding this green light uh, Stripe starts to notice his issues with his mass system starts failing and wouldn't you know it it breaks down and it seems like his uh, crew his the person he's running with uh, Raymond uh, played by Malin Brewer from Orange is the New Black uh she seems to be killing civilians. We learned that the roaches are actually genetically imperfect humans who have been genocidally wiped out by genetically perfect humans. Uh, basically, eugenics war happened long ago. And the mass system cloaks the people to look like monsters so that they'll kill them. Uh, we fought then uh, Michael Kelly from uh, House of Cards. He explains this all to Stripe. He shows him the real footage of him murdering the regular human beings in horror. Stripe decides that he would rather be sort of mind-wiped than deal with this issue. So they drop him off very spookily in a desolated house, but his mental implants show it as a beautiful house with a beautiful wife waiting for him. He's left there all alone. Very spooky ending. So, why don't you guys like this perfect episode? I'm just kidding. It's not perfect, but why don't you guys uh, like <laughs> this episode? What is your issues with it, rather? I think for me, it's not that I dislike the episode. I think the premise is really interesting. I just... Military things, 90% of the time, just rub me the wrong way. And that is the end of it, and it's very basic, and... Yeah, just I like it the least out of these six fantastic episodes of season three of Black Mirror. Fair, fair. Did you say that? Yeah, the... I, I, 
Go on. Go on, you go. No, no, you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I feel exactly the same way as Sarah. Um, I don't really like all-out war, action-y type films or TV in the first place. Um, and, yeah, like, not to say it's not bad, but, you know... You got to rate things one to six. Yep. <laughs> and sadly, that's six for me. <laughs> that's fair. I, I do tend to like war stuff a little bit more than most. I mean, I don't like the super pro-war stuff, except for that one Michael Bay movie that was weirdly good, even though it made me sick to my stomach watching it. Um, <laughs> it's like the worst bit of patriotism, but it was also like, wow, you can be a really good filmmaker. This is really <laughs> troublesome. Uh but I, I don't know, I just enjoyed this one because I think it had perhaps one of the more spooky ones that I feel like could be very much the case. I always found the interesting idea of like sort of faking war to make people better soldiers very interesting. Uh, Michael Kelly lists out a lot of, uh, I believe, true facts about uh, war that most people shoot above people's heads and most people aren't killers and that most of the people on the battlefield are purposely trying to avoid murder, which is obviously... Not the point, according to the people who want the war to happen. So I think it is one that for me feels very freaky because it feels very honest. This idea that they would kind of take impressionable people. There's sort of an interesting moment where Stripe sees like a version of himself, and we don't know if it's a fake memory or it's a memory of him when he was like more impressionable and like willing to just give away his life that he doesn't remember, or they raped his mind, or they made up the different thing. But it's sort of this interesting idea of like. We're not even sure who these soldiers are or where they come from and how this war happened. I think it's just a very kind of freaky version of a future war that could happen. I feel like there ever would be a sort of new World War Three. This is kind of the one that feels like the most likely to me. And that's why it kind of worked. Mm. Well, I think the, the title is actually a reference to a book by Brigadier General S.L.A. Marshall... Um, which is called Men Against Fire, The Problem of Battle Command from 1947. Mm. Um, and as you said, Ben, um, in this book, uh, Brigadier Marshall actually states that during World War II, 75% of soldiers did not fire their rifles, even under immediate threat. And uh, most of them, when they actually did fire, rather aimed above the enemy's head. So I think the kind of that, that title goes quite well with the contrast of Men Against Fire, the episode, by saying, well, you know, pop this thing in your brain and uh, you can shoot whatever you want without feeling bad about it. <laughs> well, in fact, reward you with sexy dreams yes. if you do a good job. Yes, that was a very interesting, well done, creepy image where uh, he, he sort of is breaking his programming, waking up from the, the sexy dream glitches out in a very creepy way when like the woman starts multiplying over and over again. In this very yeah. creepy way and then uh he wakes up and there's just this nice tracking shot where we see all the soldiers doing this sort of creepy hand twitching move as they also are sort of sedated from their sexy dreams which i thought was very very fascinating yeah it's quite strange that they reward violence with sex <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the old bread yeah. and circuses things right you know it's like <laughs> pacifist pacificity through various forms of entertainment and things like that sort of the same 12 million merits thing where it's like the only apps they have right are like uh pop star stuff porn and murder <laughs> like that's like the three mm. and making fun of the fu- fat people don't forget that yes make fun of the fat people oh yes but that's who pretty got a murder <laughs> um 
Yeah, so I think this episode just worked for me, but I understand that uh, the military stuff gets a little, little old. I mean, I, I like the bit with the whole um, live translation devices. I mean, the, the non-violent part I quite like, because I think that's yeah. something <laughs> that everyone could probably use. I mean, I think Google Translate, that app's nearly there. Um, I don't know if you guys have tried it, but if you hold your ca- if you go on Google Translate or one of our Google's translation programs, if you hold your camera up to a sign that's in Spanish, the app will actually translate the sign into English just by using your camera. It is crazy. <laughs> yeah, and it actually literally. I have heard about that. I haven't had a chance yeah. to try it firsthand. And that's yet. the crazy yeah. thing where I mean, you get to this where it literally rewrites the image. It doesn't just say like a subtitle like this says this. It like literally changes the sign mm. into text that'll say like you know whatever street or whatever like. That's the part that's really freaky and crazy to me. It's like, it isn't just like, oh, this is what this says. It's like, oh, I'm changing your actual field of vision and what you see. And that's where it's like a similar thing where it's like, I could see eventually being like, oh, we're going to put this mask of creepy people over your eyes uh, to make you kill them versus uh, just seeing them as regular human beings. Yep, exactly. science fiction has taught me no brain implants <laughs> ever, no, no downloads, except maybe San Junipero when I die. This is the only download I will accept. I think that'll be the one that our generation will be like, no, <laughs> it's not brain implants. I think that'll be the one that kids will have above us. We're like, oh, you weird kids and your brain implants. Oh, man. Sorry, I'm trying out this, um, the Google Translate um, thing right now, and I... I just happen to have it on English to French and I'm just holding it over my computer keyboard and it's changing the letters <laughs> on the screen. This is so yeah. weird, guys. <laughs> it's cool, but it's freaky. Yeah, and I think that's the whole thing about Black Mirror is Black Mirror is literally just technology taken one or two steps further because we're basically yeah. there with, I mean, some go to the extreme, the episodes that, that are set way in the future, um, but a lot of the ones which are kind of set in nowadays the technology is just right around the corner where it's in 5 10 30 years mm-hmm. you know could be reality we could be looking back at this in you know 30 years time and uh, being like yeah. this is a documentary <laughs> 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 well is there anything else you want to say about uh, men against fire uh, i like the ending yeah the ending was definitely <laughs> the most visually just powerful. where of the season. I mean, why do you think at the end um, he did that little tear for Stripe? Oh, he had a little cry at the end. I think because he, even though his brain or his eyes had rewritten what he was seeing in front of him, somewhere deep inside he knew that it was all fake and there wasn't this gorgeous woman, woman looking to uh, care for him or what? Hmm. Well, it could be that, or it could be that, you know, they like, you know, mind wiped him again or whatever. And so when he got there, it was like a tear of happiness. He's like, Mm. I'm finally home from battle. It's all over, everything. And so he's having this like really emotional moment in front of a like broken down house. Yeah, I think. Mm. But he doesn't know that. No. I I think, yeah, that's the nice ambiguity of it. You can't tell from his facial expression. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It definitely makes me want to know more, like, when he walks up to the front door. I mean, what's what's his life going to be like in a week's time? Right. So I'd rather them explore 
that part. That's fair. That's fair. And, <laughs> in the sheeting. And to, to go and back the, to your uh, point about the thing at the beginning, I thought the episode was going to be that like the uh, translation thing breaks down, and mm. they accidentally, not from their fault, but the machine sort of like accidentally translates in a way that pisses everybody off, and they have to like deal with the fact that they don't know how to communicate with people without the translator. So like, which is probably more of a Star Trek episode than a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> yeah. If I'm thinking about it, but I can understand that, and I definitely think, yeah, the but I like the singular image, at least, of, of him in front of the house and dilapidated, and you can just imagine how creepy it will be for him to sit in ruined chairs and things like that, but I don't know. I like the image enough that it's powerful enough for me to remember, even though it's easily the most didactic episode and does take like literally 15 minutes where it's just like here's the entire plot you know but michael <laughs> kelly is such a good actor i don't mind because he can deliver exposition to me all day long mm-hmm. all right so next up we will talk about uh we're just gonna jump around and go finish up the season here let's talk about playtest uh this one is directed by dan trachtenberg who directed uh 10 cloverfield lane this year so we had a few bigger directors uh show up in this episode, we follow Cooper, he, uh, a man who lives with his mother and sort of leaves, uh, going away from her, traveling around the world. Uh, he is sort of um, traveling the world and also avoiding his mom because his father is developing Alzheimer's and uh, he doesn't really want to deal with her and deal with her issues even though she calls him all the time. She sort of travels the world, ends up in London where he meets uh, this woman named Sonia. Uh, they have a little affair. He tries to go home, but his uh, money has issues, um, and he decides to take an odd job on this app for this game company. Uh, he goes to this game company. It's sort of this uh, horror director. He's based on a lot of video game uh, directors, which I'm going to do, but uh, basically this sort of genius-level director who makes these incredible horror games. Uh, and they want to test out a new game on him, which is a VR. So they put him in this thing. Uh, he basically seems to play initially, which seems like a pretty basic whack-a-mole game uh, with sort of 3D graphics. They then take him to another area uh, where they uh, put him into another machine and then put him into a house. And this house apparently based its spooks on what you see. And then what resolves then is layers upon layers of mindfuckery. Uh, he sees <laughs> monsters, he sees the woman come to him, but she's revealed to be fake. He feels pain, even though he's not supposed to. He keeps going back and back, and it feels... They keep saying that, like, his mind is getting ruined by it, but then we'll go back further, and we'll say that he's going crazy. Until finally we go all the way back, and we discovered that the first one, where we saw the whack-a-mole thing, was the actual game. Uh, and what is happening is, right as he's starting, his mom calls. He was supposed to turn off his phone, but he actually took left it on because he wanted to take a picture to sell it to like TMZ to get money um, and his mom calls interrupts the signal and it causes his brain to explode we discovered that the entire episode has taken place only 0.4 seconds that then breaks his mind and kills him and uh, they end with uh, a bit about saying that he died when he got called mom that's the, the thing he says before he dies is mom so what do we think of this spookier episode It reminded me very much of the 1999 film Existence. Yes. In that 
there are so many layers of this virtual virtual reality game that it gets to the point where the players don't even know if they're still in the game or if they're back in reality. And uh, very, very creepy like that. And I, that's one of my big fears with the, you know, conti- continued development of virtual reality, reality gaming is what happens when it gets too real. Yeah, don't ever put something in your brain, kids. <laughs> nope. <laughs> No. If we learn anything from this, I don't care this. if my grandchildren make fun of me for this one day. Nothing's going in my brain. I'm gonna show you two episodes of the show called Black Mirror, which says why stuff in your brain is bad. Uh, yeah, no, I I was surprised you've seen Existence. That's a very odd film, <laughs> and uh, it was it was just one of those things where I was, you know, it must have been a decade ago yeah, when I while. saw it, but I was just like flipping through the channels on my tv it looked kind of interesting i was like oh yeah video games cool and then at the end i was like what just happened <laughs> yeah I, I i quite enjoyed this episode um as a video gamer i appreciated that a lot of it felt like it came from video games apparently dan trachtenberg who is a gamer used to do a gaming podcast actually before he uh became oh. a famous director um one of those podcast people came up in the world and uh he uh he apparently inserted a lot of similar sort of elements, which I appreciate it. Whenever they say, like, oh, we're going to do video games, I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> because I'm very particular about how video games operate and very few people seem to know. Uh, but it's really worked. It, it, it's sort of based on an actual game, which is the name I don't remember, which also similarly uh, bases its fears on sort of uh, like a questionnaire you do and what you run away from in the game, what you don't. Uh, answer, most people are just afraid of spiders, as this showed. Um, mm-hmm. But... Uh, I appreciated that, and I appreciated also, again, just the, the inception level of, oh, no, this is fake. No, this is fake. And it was just a really well-paced episode in terms of doling out scares and then having the scares change in a lot of ways, where at first you think it's like, oh, he's going crazy, and then, oh, it's like uh, sort of an Alzheimer uh, metaphor, which I thought was really cool because that was sort of how the episode started. Um, and then it's like, oh, it's a technology metaphor. That's what I really appreciate about this episode. Georgina, did you enjoy this one? Yeah, I'd actually say this is probably one of my favourites, and something I only actually realised yesterday. Yesterday I rewatched the whole of um, Series 1 of uh, Black Mirror, and the actress who plays Sonya, she is actually in um, Series 1 in 50 Million Merits. Um, I don't know if you remember the main show, which is based off X Factor, I'm guessing. There's that Hot Shots. And the actress who plays Sonia is the winner from the first series of um, Hot Shots. That Selma, Selma, someone, the singer. Um, I think they, I think I actually read that they wanted that song to be in this episode, like playing on the radio, and um, but they couldn't for whatever reason. But I like that little crossover, unintentional crossover. Um, but it's just the ending or endings that I. I loved because every time you know it can't get worse oh no it can he's gonna wake yeah, up yes it can <laughs> something else can happen um and it it does scare me because again this is something that could be uh quite something that could happen quite uh quite soon because all everything that he scared came from a very deep place in him like um when Sonia is attacking him in the, the creepy house and she stabs him right in the in the shoulder where that childhood bully um, stabbed him. Was it the 
Billy stabbed him or did something to him because he's got that scar on his shoulder. And, yes, yeah. you know, when he fly, flies back home and sees his mum and his mum's got Alzheimer's and it's just, they're not just, you know, like Ben said, you know, oh, spiders, kind of easy stuff, which everyone gets a bit creeped out. I, it really freaked me out when they tapped into the really deep internal fears that he had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that it was all about sort of memory loss and losing personality and the things he was afraid of and running away from his dad doing uh, was what, and his issues with his mom. It's like, that's what I really thought was so intensely scary about this. It's like, that's what video games do too far. We like this sort of uh, remove from ourselves version of fear. Uh, but when it's like deep, direct, like personal therapeutic fear, it's like, that's no thank you <laughs> that's why i will never go down where it's like if you're going to tap into what actually makes me afraid deep down i don't even want to like address then i'm i'm good uh, i'll say no and i really enjoyed wyatt russell who played uh the main lead in this episode who is kurt russell's son uh oh really i thought he looked yeah, kind got, of familiar got kurt russell-y features uh, but yes. I've, I've loved him in movies like 22 Jump Street and Everybody Wants Some. He usually plays just kind of a goofy, fun-loving guy. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of works I was a bit worried because... Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, no, I was a bit worried because I only know him from 22 Jump Street and I was like, he's going to be this big jock and it's just going to... But I, re- I really enjoyed his character and I thought he, he acted really well in it. And um, I also, just to change the subject slightly, I loved all the little kind of easter eggs and kind of tiny details that were in there um i know someone had to explain to me the bioshock reference that was in there about yes would you kindly kindly. yes would you kindly when when he's she's trying to get him to open this door which is being like a trap in the game uh she says would you kindly open the door which is uh not to go too much detail but then bioshock is one of the most famous video game moments where you find out you're basically been playing as a slave for this character the entire time whenever he tells you to go do a mission he says would you kindly um and then it's sort of revealed mm-hmm. that you have been a slave as well to this guy in a sense uh basically because you've been controlling him um and so i like that little reference they put in there and they put in like you know classic sort of video game looking characters and he sees all these characters before he walks in so that explains why his mind sort of adds them in later like the entire house, of course, is fake, but he sees the house when he's walking in, and he sees like this creepy guy in a hood and spiders and things like that. So I agree, the yeah. details make this episode really memorable. I think when he's on mm. on the a play, plane ride, he's he's watching a uh, when spiders spiders attack film, and then he sees the spiders later on. Um, yeah, I just and I think he never actually met the the japanese the asian creator he just saw him on the front of a magazine so every layer mm. of his dreams um the guy's uh voice and his accent it changes i think one minute it's english next it's broken japanese and oh, i just love all the little details <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and as we said before like a lot of times you'll think that charlie brooker is missing some element and then you realize that he's been like 10 steps ahead of you the entire time which is again something I really appreciate because you're like, wait, what? Did he miss that that guy changed his accent? And you're like, oh no, no, it's yeah. like entirely purposeful. And again, something I really appreciate. Like it's what I said about San Junipero when we started. I was like, this is not the '80s. Like, this is ridiculous. 
this is the most 80s <laughs> thing of any 80s that's ever been 80s. And you're like, oh, that's the point. Because it's supposed to be capturing a nostalgia yes. that didn't actually exist. But you remember in your head. You know, it's to create, like, oh, when you were a kid in the 80s. This is kind of like what it was like. And I love that when they go to 2003, it's like, Born Identity and uh, Spice Girls. And I was like, hey, that's my <laughs> era. You know, like, there's mine. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I appreciate that about the show. It's like, he's, he seems to be consciously thinking, like, okay, what's the audience going to be feeling at this point? And there's sort of a, a reason for that. And I think what's crazy is there's so many layers. I mean, with every episode, there's so many layers, but especially this one, all the different endings. And it just blows my mind to think that this was written by just one person. This was written purely by Charlie Brooker. Like, how does he do it? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, to put all that story and just to figure out the timeline. I, oh, I just, I have a massive crush on Brooker. I think he's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, you've been pretty quiet about this episode. Did, okay. Is there anything else you really want to say about it? Um, <clears throat> not particularly. Um, part of the reason I've been quiet was I've been reading up on Wyatt Russell a little bit, and uh, yes, it is really cool that he's Kurt Russell's son, but his mother is Goldie Hawn. Yes, yes indeed. Which oh. is pretty cool as well. <laughs> <laughs> so it just, uh, yeah, he's he's kind of. I mean, I haven't seen Wyatt Russell in anything else, but he did a good job, and his parents are great, and <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, he was in Cowboys and Aliens. We don't talk about that movie. <laughs> it's just not. Ugh. As a Daniel Craig fan, we don't talk about Cowboys and Aliens. No. <laughs> All right. Well, next up, let's talk about probably the... Probably the darkest episode, I would say. Shut up and dance. This is arguable with yep. Black Mirror, but uh, this is probably dark because it feels like it happened today. Uh, yeah. In this episode, Kenny uh, is a teenager who gets caught uh, perceivably uh, masturbating on camera. He gets a text message from this shady group um, who, uh, after he sort of installs this malware that uh, basically is the reason his computer gets hacked, um, that says that they have this video and they release it uh, online and to his family and everybody and he'll be shamed if he doesn't follow their instructions. So they instruct him to go first pick up a cake even from another guy and we sort of find out from this guy that they have a whole network of people they've hacked with dirty secrets um, and they are manipulating. He eventually takes this cake to Braun, aka Jeremiah Flynn. Yes! Um, and we find that Braun is uh, cheating on his wife, and that's why they have discovered him. Uh, the hacker group tells uh, Braun, I'm just going to call him Braun, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Braun and Kenny to go uh, rob a bank, which they do, and then eventually they Braun has to take uh, Kenny to a woods. Kenny takes his money up to the woods where he meets another person. The person releases a drone, and then they find out they have to fight to the death, and it is revealed that both these people, in fact, were looking at child pornography. And that's why Kenny was so much more afraid than we... Because for the most episode, you're like, why is he so afraid? And then, of course, that's the revelation. Uh, eventually, Kenny seems to have become victor walking along bloodily and in a montage we find out that the group has released even though everybody has done exactly what they are supposed to 
uh, the group releases all the dirty secrets they have of everybody, including their boss with their, their racist emails, drones cheating. Um, we don't find out what the other guy did, but see people crying. And uh, Kenny's mom calls him in tears uh, with the revelation that her son is a pedophile and he's about to get arrested for murder. And that is it. So, what do we think of Shut Up and Dance, which had very little dancing <laughs> and a lot of depression? Indeed. <laughs> Dance Monkey Dance. Yes, indeed. Obviously, that's the... What I believe the title is, is Dance for Our Amusement. Yes. Um, I I think, again, with all of these, this is, you know, by no means a bad episode or a a bad story. I thought it was very good, but I do think it falls in my bottom three for this season. Um, I couldn't really tell you why. Yeah, this is... Just, my least favorite of the episodes but again i like all of them. there's no like weak episode for me yeah. well there have been weak episodes in the past uh but uh mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's a very good first watch because when you you watch it you are spending the entire time going like all right like yeah it's embarrassing you caught masturbating on camera but like is it that bad and so the revelation at the end is pretty good, and they do dole it out in a very interesting way. Yes, absolutely. At the revelation, I was like, oh, my God, now I see where they were going with all of <laughs> right. this. Right, and, and I think he's going to an interesting thing, which is, like, pedophiles are definitely the most hated group of people in the world, I think, pretty fairly, mm-hmm. uh, next to maybe terrorists. Um, but uh, so it's an interesting idea of, like, okay, most people would not feel sympathy for this character we knew from the beginning. So I think it's an interesting thing to be like, okay, let's have sympathy for this character because you're on his side. Like, oh, we've all done that. It's that poor kid and then the end you're like Ugh. so you have to kind of deal with that and i like that element of it but i just don't feel mm-hmm. like it it just is a lot of like go do this go do this who's that what's happening and it feels like a lot of lead up for one gut punch which is a good gun punch but it's like the rest of the episode doesn't really hold up as well for me yeah and i think it's interesting and you know really rather enlightening that they picked such a young actor to you know be the protagonist of this episode and then also be a pedophile because when we think of like people who are accused of being pedophiles we think of like you know old gross dudes who you know like live alone or whatever and this this guy just seems to be you know a regular teenager right it's like oh it's you know it's not just this preconceived notion of you know what we think pedophiles look like it's you know could be anybody for I mean, sure. I've only seen the episode um, once. I've not rewatched it, but I As actually, I. I really like this episode. This is one of my favorite. I think it's just because, you know, throughout the whole episode, I felt so much sympathy. A bit like um, White Bear, I felt so much sympathy yeah, it's a towards Kenny. Like, like what? Don't I was like, felt like stroking his head, being like, "It's okay, <laughs> it's okay. You like, you don't have to go along with this. You know, and you can, and you everybody can, uh... does what you did." And you can kind of believe it because as a teenager, everything seems so much worse. You know what I mean? Versus like, yeah, mm. Braun is like, what? Like, you know, he's an adult. He's like, come on, kid. That happens to all. It's like, it's fine. You know, like, uh, but like you could see as a teenager being like, my life is over. I'm ruined. Like your, your, yeah. your vision of the world is a lot more narrow at that time. So at the time you're like, oh, I just wish this poor kid could like get a break. And then you're right. And like at the end, it's like, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think that the reveal at the end as to why he so badly didn't want, you know, that video to come out, that really shocked me, especially hearing his his mother on the phone and just 
Uh, I don't know. I just I I really like this episode, and I think thinking back to just the beginning when he's uh, working his job in the diner, and some little kid, some little girl's forgotten her toy, and he goes and picks up the toy and crouches down, and he's like, "Here's your toy." Just uh shivers. <laughs> yes, and there's also a good yeah. sequence later where um, Braun is explaining that they didn't just film him; they they got his whole hard drive. And then that's when the kid starts freaking out more. And so... Oh, So yeah. that's the one thing I will say that is good in the second rewatch that I did appreciate. Is that there's a nice little moment where you're like... You can see his mind going like, Oh, I'm way more fucked than I thought. You know? Mm. Mm-hmm. Which is very interesting. And I think the, the reveal that they, in fact, like... Just wanted to fuck with him was really very accurate. Because a lot of hacker groups are like that. There are a lot that, um, you know... This is a very old statement, so sorry to be a grandpa when I say it, but for the lulls was sort of a hacker mantra <laughs> when lulls. I was a teen, at the very least. Uh, now it is more about, like, government secrets and things like that, but, like, for a while it was sort of this idea of, like, let's just fuck with bad people, you know? And and this sort of vigilante justice was very much a thing, so uh, it's very much something they could see someone doing in terms of of this idea of making people dance for their amusement and then still fucking their lives over just because mm-hmm. they don't care, you know. They just do it just for the chaos and the the social destruction and things like that. And it's been a long time since I saw a troll face. I can't remember that. Was weird. Right? <laughs> right. I was like, oh, I remember that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, t- life. <laughs> I remember. I remember Rage Comics. I remember in college somebody uh, dressed as Trollface. <laughs> I, I don't think it was for Halloween. I think I was Just going to like a theme day. party and the theme was <laughs> villains. And uh, and this girl you know, printed out a mask of Trollface and that's who she was <laughs> for this villain party. It was great. It is so weird to me that you don't know this as well because you're not constantly bombarded. Maybe you are in America. In- Britain by Trump stuff, but over here he's <laughs> like his people have associated a meme that I grew up with that is some like okay. called Pepe the Frog that has now become this like alt right symbol, <laughs> and it's so fucking weird to me because now like major CNN <laughs> are talking about memes and like like what is happening to our culture? <laughs> like oh god, memes are deciding erections. Black Mirror is happening. Exactly. It's like, oh, it's like Waldo. It's it seriously is like Waldo a little bit like the Waldo moment episode where it's like. Oh great! Now this character has taken on a life of its own, and what is happening? Yeah. But yeah, I, think, uh, I really liked Alex Lothar who played him. He he played a young uh, Alan Turing in uh, the Imitation Game. That's where most people know him. Indeed, from. he did. And, uh, he's definitely one of those great up and coming actors who I'm really really excited to see more from. Mm-hmm. So, is there anything else to say about uh, Shut Up and Dance? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's get to the last one. We get a little, uh, get a little Black Mirror movie. This is a ninety-minute episode, uh, "Hated in the Nation." Uh, in this episode, we follow a uh, investigator, Karen Park. Uh, she's played by Kelly McDonald. I love her. <laughs> Where do I know her from? She is the voice of Merida. Yes, that's right. Because I remember watching the episode, knowing like. This is hard to take seriously because I hear her voice. Because <laughs> yeah. it's her original. I love her voice, yeah. personally. It's just kind of crazy to me because I know her face from No Country for Old Men. 
and she has okay. like a southern accent in that. And so it's very weird what? to have like a she has a like pretty good southern accent. It's really subtle. Um, so for me, it was just weird to be like, oh, you're very. She's actually really very Scottish, Scottish. and uh, <laughs> much to Georgina's poking, I had to turn on subtitles. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Scottish is just not as hard for me. <laughs> oh, America! Uh, when uh, I when I was studying abroad in Edinburgh, my mom came to visit me, and um, there were a couple of friends who I just had to translate because she couldn't understand through their thick Scottish accents. <laughs> and it was, it was that way for me as well, the first month or two that I was there, but you get used to it. <laughs> so, we do follow, indeed, the anyway. very Scottish Kelly MacDonald, uh, playing Karen Park, uh, who is investigating the death of a journalist named Joe Powers, who's apparently based on a real British journalist, correct, Georgina? Yes, uh, Katie Hopkins. Am I just making that name? I think it's Katie Hopkins. Oh, she is an absolutely horrible woman. She actually started um, by being on the UK show uh, version of The Apprentice, just a normal contestant. And then she just, I think then when she came off the show, she was caught having sex with some bloke who wasn't her husband in a field. And then somehow she's now got her own column um, in a national newspaper and is just like like in the show just a vile woman who just spouts horrible horrible stuff I think um, one of the most recent things is when our new mayor of London got elected and um, she said if the guy who won if he won she'd run around London naked with a sausage in her bum I, uh, I think we're still waiting for that to happen <laughs> it's like when uh uh, Sean Hannity said he'd be waterboarded to prove it's not torture, and everyone's like, "When are you gonna get uh, waterboarded there so you can say <laughs> it's not torture?" Um, yeah, so it's sort of this episode follows this idea of social media hatred and how people glom on to hate somebody uh, immediately, and we sort of follow the, the sort of three different versions. So first up is this person who sort of lives off of social media hatred. She seems to have been driven crazy somehow she slashed her husband and then committed suicide um and no one really knows why meanwhile uh parker's working with this woman named blue who's played by the waif from game of thrones uh yes and uh she is going through twitter feed and noticing that all these people are using this death to hashtag that was uh, associated with joe meanwhile a rapper named what was this it was a tusk yes Rapper named Tusk is on a show and makes fun of a kid <laughs> who sucks at dancing and calls him out and says the kid sucks at dancing. So everyone again starts using <laughs> That's this my favorite bit. death to hashtag. And he also gets something lodged in his brain when they put him into an MRI machine. Don't put him in an MRI machine when you have a foreign object. I don't know why they did that, but it rips it out of his brain and kills him. And they discover that it is a robo-bee, as in the future... There are robotic bees all over England that are pollinating uh, because all the bees have died out, which is, of course, something I'm very much worried about. And now this, remo- this episode has ruined the idea of robo-bees. So thank you so much, Black Mirror. <laughs> but uh, they Space discover bees. that this death to hashtag is actually this cruel game set up by this uh, sort of uh, crazed ecological terrorist 
and that the death to hashtag, if it trends the most on somebody, the bees will infect their brain and scramble their brains and kill them. Uh, it seems like it is now headed towards another woman who tweet who uh, tweeted a picture of her uh, quote unquote fake peeing on a war memorial, uh, doing a lewd thing on a war memorial, and everyone's hating her. Which is very much based on the story of the woman who tweeted something about AIDS in Africa when she went on a plane and then when she landed she had been fired and no one hated her and there's all these think pieces about her um, if you haven't read wow. the book uh, you've been publicly shamed by John Ronson it's excellent it sort of talks about this sort of social media uh, um, public shaming thing that has become such a big deal lately so they tried to save her they tried to get her away from it but the entire colonies of bees are taken over and uh, the woman is killed after this is revealed uh, and leaked to the press, everyone loves the death to hashtag and it's being tweeted even more than before. Everyone's getting involved with it. Uh, it seems like the Prime Minister, I believe, is the next target, of course. Uh, and they're trying to figure out how to save him. They eventually go through all this stuff where they find the guy's uh, hideout and they go back to the B Center to stop it. But right before they stop it, a guy actually uploads the end game. Which is that the reveal is it, the target is not the prime minister; it is everyone in the nation who sent the death to hashtag, and they all die. Some three thousand eight hundred and eighty-seven people, according to the show. So, massive, massive death. Uh, the episode is sort of bookended by this trial. Uh, at the end of the trial, Park is seems to be hated by the people for not being able to stop this massive death, uh, and. It, it's hinted at that Blue committed suicide for not being able to stop it, but we find, in fact, that Blue has been tracking the evil guy, and presumably he's about to kill him, but we stop before the end of the episode. So, this is sort of more of a... And in that last scene where uh, Blue is <clears throat> in, you know, some unknown, presumably Latin American country, but regardless, she's watching the news in a bar, and something I found kind of interesting, which doesn't really have anything to do with the plot of the episode itself, but she's watching the news, and uh, there is, you know, like a running bar at the bottom of the screen with various um, articles, and there's uh, something to the effect of Saito Gamu launches new horror game, yes. which is a reference to the company in uh, the episode Playtest. So I always think that's cool when, you know, there's little Easter eggs from earlier in yeah the there's season. a lot of easter eggs this season i know um when the uh the woman who revealed to have racist emails and shut up and dance on her page there's stuff about like the prime minister from the first episode of black mirror the one with the pig uh he's like resigning or getting divorced rather and like so they're kind of building this possible universe but also just more hinting at it because i don't think they could possibly explain how all this technology <laughs> is interacting right. but uh I agree. I enjoyed this episode. A I mean, lot it's of like fun. saying that everything happens in the Twilight Zone, but none of the Twilight. There's no like Twilight Zone episode crossovers totally, or anything totally. like that. But sometimes they'll make references or similar characters or stuff like that. You know. Yeah. I th I think my favorite Easter egg. I can't remember which episode it's in, uh, but they're looking at tweets, and I think one of them is from the Prime Minister from the first episode, um, national anthem, and he tweets something like, "Just got thrown out of the zoo again." <laughs> 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 that's hilarious <laughs> I would have to, to watch that episode again and find that because that's brilliant yeah, I, it's, I can't remember which one but it may, maybe it's this one because it, there's a lot to do with Twitter but there's right. so many easter eggs I mean I found out most of mine through 
googling it rather than being that sure. keen eye. <laughs> <laughs> well, I quite enjoyed this episode because uh, uh, it reminded me a lot of these sort of high budget BBC procedural um, uh, crime shows. It was sort of like a sci-fi version of that in a very interesting way. It was very much like a Sherlock or a Luther, um, where it was just sort of following a single arc. And I really, really enjoyed. I would actually like to see like more shows about Karen and Blue. I thought they were like a really good team together, and it was sort of interesting yeah. that it was like almost like an episode of a. A different show <laughs> even though it had that of course yeah. black mirror technology scary spooky element to it but i was like this is like almost like a really interesting pilot of some future show i could definitely see them doing a, another episode next series uh kind of following on because it kind of ends on a weird cliffhanger almost you know you want to find out what's going to happen what's blue going to do to this guy or what's going to happen next or is it going to be another little adventure <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I like this one. In particular, I think it was a very interesting way of, of dealing with, uh, like I said, something that's very common now, but in a in sort of a future setting, which is we very much do have these public shamings. And I liked, like I said, the three, the four people they picked are very much the people you see publicly shamed, which is like people who obviously go out to be trolls, like Milo and uh, and Coulter and, and the woman you mentioned, Georgina. And then like... A rapper who's like a you know, just a rapper and he's sort of like braggadocious celebrity who says some shitty thing one day and everyone hates him oh, for that it was day. The best. You know, it's like it's so <laughs> like something Kanye dance. would do or something Fifty Cent would do. You know, I can't dance. <laughs> I love seeing kids upset. Sad the face. And then, like, yeah, like, a regular person who just tweets something offensive, and then for some reason we all decide we date that person that one day, you know, and then, and then of course, a public figure who's always hated. So it's like, I, I thought the four people they picked was really interesting. And even though I, I did predict the whole, like, ending with the death to, I thought it was still a very chilling moment, and I thought the, the sequence with the bees going after everybody was really well done. Yeah. Great music. Oh, man. I do feel like with this kind of episode, I'll be one of those dumb people who would you know jokingly tweet hashtag death to early morning people and then of course <laughs> you know a few days later it would trend <laughs> you, you know you gotta get on that trending topic right exactly that's what i was wondering like how many i think they did do a good job because i think in the episode they said you have to actually like straight up do it like the game to get killed my guess is like we have to say death to picture of full name you know so i, I think you're right that like yeah poor people just are like death to people who don't eat waffles with syrup you know it's like <laughs> there's probably way too many memes for them to kill everybody so my hope is that it was just killing the people like that but maybe that's part of the problem too it's like the whole idea is that uh, you have to live with your consequences of your actions mm-hmm. what did I you think, think of this episode? Um, sorry you're going oh go on you go on. <laughs> no i mean when i was just doing a bit <laughs> of uh research on this episode it's i found out i didn't even realize this but it's kind of inspired by brooke and what something he actually went through and um, he's got a a column on the guardian and years ago he wrote something about uh, george w bush and it included the the sentence lee harvey oswald john hinckley jr where are you now that we need you and that <laughs> caused yikes 
a lot of public outcry and um, he actually said that that experience definitely fed into that episode as it deals with people getting trolled on Twitter. Uh, my own incident predated Twitter and my vilification was done by good old fashioned email. But some of the characters in Hated in the Nation say things that I was experiencing at the time. Um, so I just like that he actually put in a real experience for how he was rightly or wrongly, you know, vilified on the internet. That's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. Especially somebody who does a lot of dark jokes. I'm assuming that was the angle he was going for. But of course, everyone decides, like, oh, no, no, no. Because I follow this film critic who just reviews movies and she gave a bad review to this movie called Lone Survivor, which is based on uh, this real event where a couple of soldiers uh, got trapped in the wilderness and, and all of them but one died. Uh, but she thought the movie was bad and she just thought the movie was bad because that's her job. And everyone was like, she got crazy hatred even outside of like movie circles, way outside of movie circles for like being un-American and saying that the soldiers <laughs> didn't deserve it. And it was just like, she wrote a bad review of a movie, you know? But I think that's mm. sort of what it's taking is like, yeah, does this Tusk guy deserve to die just for being kind of a dick <laughs> to a kid once? But it's the way we all view our anger on this like certain cyclical basis where it's like, who's the most hated person in the world right now? You know, uh, versus sort of like, we don't hate the people who probably deserve the most. We just pick like, this one person. We all decide like, no, you, you were the problem and we're going to hate you today. And then we'll move on to someone else tomorrow. What did you think of this episode, Sarah? Uh, again, th this falls into the less enjoyed but still appreciated episodes category. Um, just because for me, I felt it moved a bit slowly, and I found myself like sort of getting distracted uh, during it. Um, but I mean, like, if if they had you know focused on like one less person getting killed by bees and had it you know move on a bit faster, I think I might have enjoyed it more. Um, that being said, it was, you know, good, important message and good acting and all the things. Good writing. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It reminds me a lot of, um, we have a lot of shows like this on BBC and ITV every Friday night, Saturday night. Um, so from my point of view, even though it's, you know, streamed on Netflix, which is, on the internet it felt kind of at home it felt like something me and the family would watch in a on a saturday night in jolly old england <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i said this reminded me a lot of something like borgen or, or yeah these these sort of uh very procedural high budget and they're always like 90 minute shows you know so it's like i think it's like grew up on on those a little bit uh, comfy murder shows as they call them uh it's it, it, it I sort of recognize the beats, but I can also understand that these these are also shows that are in a way are intended to be like you can kind of zone in and out of them a little bit, like and it's like they're, yeah. they're kind of slower paced, and so because of that, this probably easily could have been a sixty minute, but I'm almost like was trying to be one of those ninety minute episodes, and because of that it mm -hmm. has a bit of a slower pace, which I enjoy, but I can see people being like, all right, let's let's go. And that's another thing is like like I said, you know, I don't really you know military stuff doesn't work for me crime drama stuff doesn't really work for me either like i don't enjoy shows like the blacklist or law and order and or things like that and that's kind of what this felt like to me totally. but you know more science fiction totally like i said it felt like this weird mix of both which is what i found interesting but again if you don't like that sort of 
procedural style show. It's not going to really like hook you necessarily. Yeah. Is there anything else to say for hating the nation? Mm, I think uh, so. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get to ratings then. Uh, we'll rate the season, and if you want to give your episode rating, your rankings, feel free, but don't. You don't have to, but uh, we'll be rating on a scale of 1 to 10, just how you felt about the overall season. So, Georgina, what would you rate uh, first se- the third season sorry, of Black Mirror? Oh, um, probably a solid 8, 8.5. 8 or 8.5? I have to... 8 or 8.5. <laughs> 8.5? You're sticking with that? 8.5, yes. Okay. Sorry, we have to be specific. <laughs> okay. uh, why would you rate it an 8.5? I I think it built well on the other two uh, or two and a half series. Um, I like that there was, you could tell that more, it felt like more effort and more money had been thrown at it, but not in a just a, a showy way, um, just to help help the storylines along um but it's not that perfect 10 because there were a few episodes um mainly men against fire <laughs> that <laughs> kind of just dragged it down slightly um and i mean like i said i rewatched the whole of series one yesterday and that kind of put things more in perspective and i think series one's probably more of a nine for me so i wanted just to lower it <laughs> slightly from that <laughs> totally all right, Sarah, what would you rate season three? I uh, <clears throat> I will also give it an 8.5. Um, I, uh, I think for pretty much the same reasons that uh, Georgina has already uh, stated, uh, some episodes uh, worked really, really well for me, uh, San Junipero being one of them. Um, and then uh, some through, you know, no, no fault of, you know, the writers or the actors necessarily, but just, you know, by the nature of the way they were constructed and the genre, they didn't work as well for me. Like Men Against Fire, which is the military episode, and Hated in the Nation, which is the political drama slash uh, crime show. And um, that did drag it down a little bit, but everything was so well executed and well written and acted that it's still a very high 8.5 all right and i will probably give it uh, an eight slightly under everybody but i pretty much agree with the same reasons that uh georgina said i think the first series is probably the best in terms of just overall episodes uh but i think it's better than series two which actually like i mentioned a few times I, i'm not a big fan of waldo moments and uh the other two i think are decent if not perfect that maybe I need to rewatch. Be right back. Anyways, um, but I, I just recently redid my thing, and other than San Junipero being number one and Shut Up and Dance being bottom, uh, my list kind of changed up, and I think that's kind of showing that this is a pretty solid series. That uh, a lot of the episodes still work for me, and it's hard to kind of, you know, I play test fifth, and I'm like, is it really a fifth? I really enjoyed a lot of parts of it, you know, and so it's like interesting to me that if you can shift around to much that much to me, it means that this is a very good season it's bigger it's a little bit broader in a few episodes but it's still that classic black mirror creepy uh disturbing view and one episode that's actually really charming and sweet um which is very impressive so it's (laughs) i think that that maturity the maturity that he's showing to 
explore new genres and he's trying different things and that's what makes it really really work for me so even if it goes down at points I think it's still just as good of Black Mirror as it's ever been and one of the best uh, shows of the year for me definitely probably my top five so that means overall the uh, group is in an 8.3 which will round up to an 8.5 so how do we feel about 8.5 for Black Mirror season three yeah good yeah. I mean that's <laughs> What uh, I rated it individually. Yeah. So, hooray. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, love the love the show. I mean, it's a show that we probably could have done a whole podcast on each episode, but uh, I think an hour and a half is plenty of time. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. covered it all. And we don't want to pay for more feeds because we have too many damn shows as it is. Okay. Uh, I want to thank uh, Sarah and Georgina for joining me. Uh, thanks so much, you guys. And uh, Thank you very much for inviting me. <laughs> Yeah, thank you for hosting, yes. Ben. And uh, we're not going to have any bets. This is just going to be sort of a bonus, maybe evergreen episode. Depends on how Jack feels about it. But we just want to get our thoughts down on uh, on recording. So I'll just quickly close out and say, if you haven't visited TuscanShed.com and seen all the shows on Tuscan Shed Media Network, you should do that. We've got Geek Space 9, which is finally coming back. First season will be up all online. So look forward to that. We also have Animania. Save Point, we got Feast for Bros, we got so many damn shows, you guys, and they're all great and all worth checking out. Uh, you can follow Movie Gang Podcast on Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook. So, in the meantime, thanks for listening. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> Bye.